and I, I guess what I've tried to do over the years, just, you know, be relentless, try another way, try a different way. And I, and I think it does come back to that trouble, you know. They get to a dead end, you know, what do you do? You turn your car around, do a U-turn and try another way in to get out. My name is Will Small. I use poetry to capture snapshots of what it means to be human. It's no better inspiration for this than real-life humans in their natural habitat. So I've been having conversations with all kinds of beautiful, passionate, interesting humans who all call the Central Coast home. From uni students to business owners, artists to activists, young and old. In each of these conversations, a poem is hiding. I'm going to find it and write it. And I'm inviting you to come along for the ride and hear the conversations that spark my creative process. Stick around till the end and you'll get to hear the poem. This podcast has been proudly supported by the Central Coast Council. Join me as I dive into the untold stories of coastal citizens and seek to capture them in an original piece of spoken word poetry. Anne-Marie Heath, thank you so much for giving me some of your time in your busy schedule to have a chat about you here at uh, one of my favourite places on the Central Coast, actually. I love the art house, so... Thank you for letting me come here today and, and sit with you and set up some mics. I'm excited to have a conversation. Thanks, Will. No, very excited to have you here. You know, it's been great working with you over the kind of last couple of years and your involvement through the different organisations with the Art House. So, to begin with, how, how long have you been on the Central Coast here? Is this where you grew up or did you move here in more recent years? How about you share some of the backstory of how you ended up here? Um, I've been up here for about two years now. I came up originally as a consultant when the art house was being built and it was just in the last couple of months and I was brought up as a theatre consultant here and I would say probably my job was to theatre the place just right at the last moment and help with the opening weekend. Um, at that time, I was freelancing around as an arts consultant, working across all different things, but mainly working with um, organisations with brand new theatres. I then went off travelling and doing some other work, and I actually was overseas when I got a phone call, and I was in Egypt at the pyramids of all places saying, wow. you know, what are you doing? Would you like to come back to the Central Coast? Um, they had employed someone in between, and it hadn't worked out, and then they said, you know, we'd love to have you back. So organised, you know, my schedule and worked out life and kind of packed my bags up again and relocated to the coast. And that was about two years ago in October. Yeah, wow. So, yeah, so it was very much at that time, you know, the, I think the thing that excited me with it was that it was a brand new theatre. It was all about audience development. The coast hadn't had, this part of the coast hadn't had a professional theatre up here before. And I felt the challenge to actually, one, get the building working to be, a, you know, an active theatre, but also... The part that I was probably really excited about is that it was, um, you know, called the art house. So there was not just about what was going to happen on stage, is what else we could do with mm. working with artists. And I think that was what I most looked forward to. How do we make this happen? Yeah, I love that. So you moved in. Uh, really, uh, this place was a big part of it. Your move to the coast is yeah. connected to the art house. But as you kind of moved here and sort of began to get to know the area, maybe explored a little bit, what were some of your first impressions of the central coast kind of as a region? 
look, I think everyone, you know, you progress. I'd bought up as a child in a place called Port Lincoln on the west coast of South Australia. So the beach world was really familiar to me, probably more fishing beach than surfing beach. Mm-hmm. But again, the thing that I really fell in love was the mountains in the coast. I think yeah. we promote so much of the beach side of it. But I was living in Yarramalong initially and, you know, every morning I'd wake up and look out of the window and I'd just go, oh, my gosh, I'm in paradise, you know, seeing yeah. the different seasons, you know, from winter and autumn with the trees. It was just beautiful. But then at the same time, within 10, 15 minutes, you're actually at the beach too. So that kind of contrast of both kind of lives was just, you know, really lovely to enjoy. I'm down by the beach now, so the beach won out in the end from the mountains. Right. So I'm living down at the entrance and, yeah, and I live right on the water. So I love listening to the waves, going to sleep. I would very rarely ever, even in winter, close the front door. Um, I'm in an apartment, so the balcony, I just love watching the waves, hearing, smelling the sea. I think that's actually yeah. really lovely. And you kind of, I don't know, I've always felt the water is so kind of zen and just kind of brings you back to something each time. Absolutely. You know, whether it's even an aquarium or it's, you know, but when you're actually hearing the waves, hearing the motion. Yeah. And, you know, and one of my favourite pastimes is going for a walk along the beach. Yeah, you know, beautiful. As the sun comes up in the morning, you know, I try and do that at least kind of three times a week. Yeah. And it's just quiet, there's nothing around and probably yeah. actually enjoy it more in the winter than the summer because you can really hear the crashing waves and that. Yeah. So the coast has become somewhere where I've really fallen in love with and just realised yep. it's got such a depth. I think it's one of those places that's a bit untapped. Yeah. You know, I think gradually the Sydney siders are realising how close mm. the coast is and with the freeway how easy it is to commute. Me personally, I love it for the fact is I can get to Sydney really easily. I probably get down again two, three nights a week to see a show um, and feel that accessibility. I've got the best of both worlds. Yeah, I love that. All of the stuff that you just said is exactly how I've felt. You know, I've been here for six years now. And, and that sort of the, the, uh, the beach and the mountains, this sort of real diversity mm. of nature as well as the kind of quiet coastal vibe with the connections into Sydney and Newcastle and the possibility. Yeah. I know that you're very passionate about um, developing with a long-term approach, you know, the cultural capacity here um, rather than just relying on the kind of big cities that we're kind of in the shadow of. Um, yeah. But it's, it's really nice that I think there's the potential for that growth while protecting something of the um, the connection to nature here that's quite unique. Yeah, and I think people don't realise. I think you, you know, when we even look at our whole tourism, it's always about the beach. And I think when people get up here, go, oh, you know. And then you've got the Hunter Valley, you know, I love yeah. a glass of wine. And that's kind of, you know, Come on. 30, 40 minutes away. And, you, you know, and you're right yeah. in the heart of it. So, and yes. you've got Newcastle. So I think the accessibility generally, and you just forget, I even just recently, you know, went for a bit of a drive and we ended up at Shoal Bay. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God, another beautiful location, you know, an hour and a half away kind of thing. And you just forget how centralised yep. the central coast is itself. Yeah, absolutely. I love going to Blue Mountains as well. Mm. Like everywhere is just kind of, you know, it's, it's right in the centre of all these amazingly diverse places. I think it's really changing too. Uh, something I, you know, love my coffee, love my wine, and I think that's the thing in restaurants. I think you can really see in such mm. a short space of time, my time being here, how much the coast is just starting to – lift its game a little bit, be a little bit more competitive and, you know, attractive in those kind of, you know, I don't know, good restaurants, good cafes and, you know, getting the decent coffee and that side of it. And I think those things also, and again, in the arts and cultural side of it, exhibitions, 
you know, the shows and things like that. And I think that starts to make, you know, an area like the Central Coast be a destination. Absolutely. And even uh, even when we're sitting here, like in Wyong, I, when I first moved up to the coast, I was working as a youth worker with the Salvos in Wyong, just, you know, 100 metres away. And uh, just when I finished up around that, that job was about five years ago and, and the art house was being built still. Um, I think Glee Coffee was being kind of fit out. Mm-hmm. Um, but really there was nothing going on. And then suddenly, you know, over the course of a few years, I come back here now regularly because there's great coffee. I go to Duck Duck Moose or Glee or go the Oasis Cafe there or, you know, the art house come here for a show. And it's amazing how much things are changing and people are telling a different story about what is possible. I had some friends come up recently to help me with a foyer installation and they were both vegans and they were like, oh, where are we going to eat? And I said, no, no, we've got the best with Motel Metza. And, you know, full vegan kind of banquet. And they were like in heaven. They're going, God, you know, we struggle to get this in, in Melbourne in areas without going to yeah. particular places. So I think that, you know, it's really, you know, a bit of an untapped. I'm probably a little bit into how do we tell the world. I mean, I know yeah. some locals kind of want to keep the world away a little bit and keep it uh-huh. cosy, whereas I'm like, oh, no, no, let's make sure everyone knows about the coast and yeah. and becomes that kind of destination in, in yep. people where. And, you know, when it comes to what we've been doing at the Art House, it's been very much my kind of focus to make sure the arts and theatre itself is kind of at the forefront yeah. and that diversity and that that's, you know, gets me really excited about what yeah, the yeah, untapped yeah. potential, I suppose. So it's pretty cool that you, I guess you um, were kind of doing this consulting work and in, you know, you've got, you've got experience of seeing the world of theatre beyond the coast mm. and, and seeing um, all kinds of, um, amazing stuff, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, just previous I'd been, you know, four and a half years at City Recital Hall, which is a concert hall in Sydney. So I was used to yeah. dealing with all fine music, all, the, you know, the uh-huh. best world music around. And, you know, prior to that I've been in um, Wollongong as the general manager down there, the managing the theatre. So, you know, over the years my job's kind of taken me to lots of locations. and But at the same time, kind of had that experience of capital city to regional areas of what, you know, makes what can make a community. And I suppose yeah. I've always been really passionate that arts and the culture of that community needs to be, you know, kind of right in front of everyone is something yeah. they can access. Yeah. So you've obviously got, um, you know, this these fresh eyes that a lot of people might not have here where you're able to see what's been possible in other places as well as kind of not having some of the baggage that, you know, people mm. who have lived here for a long time might go, no, there's no point building a theatre in Wyong. Mm. What are you thinking? You don't have that baggage. Yeah. So as you've come in and, you know, it's been a couple of years now, but I want you to think forward 10 years down the track or five years down the track or whatever, paint me a picture of your kind of vision, your heart for what the art house could be and what the Central Coast more broadly could look like. Oh, totally. I get excited by this all the time because I actually think is, you know, as a vision, I think it's actually really all possible. But, you know, I see that the arts is at the core of everything. I'm a big believer how arts can change. And when I say arts, it's probably culture and arts, whether it's kind of social justice, it's economic, which is what you can see playing out in Wyong at the moment with new cafes, mm. new restaurants, um, you know, the hotels being busy on show nights. But the role that I can really see that, you know, we're a really diverse community and I think the fact that we see our own stories on stage will be something that I really want to see happen. The other thing is at the moment I think creatives have not really had a lot of opportunity locally and they've had to go to Sydney for their for you know for work basically. So if the art house can be what I always say is actually promote what I an art house side of it where we're developing stories, we're working with creatives. And my idea would be that you're in the foyer and there's actors and creatives and performers 
dancers happening in the foyer all the time, not performing, but, you know, in there having coffee and then mm. they're in the, working in the studio or in the main theatre and putting on their own work is really what I see. And whether that's a creative having an opportunity or it's actually a, a local story of the Central Coast, you know, and then, you know, the next stage would be to take that further afield into other communities or into the city and that story is what people are actually hearing about that, you know, I'm hoping we can get there in five years. Yeah, it's a beautiful vision. It excites me as someone who is an artist and a poet who's kind of, um, you know, had my own sense of trying to find where I fit and where are the stages I can speak from and, you know, who's, where, where can mm. I find an audience for this kind of work? Um, what are some of the things that you feel need to happen for that vision to kind of come into being? Like I guess there's obviously a government sort of level answer but also just for people that are in the arts. Do you have any thoughts around uh, how people can contribute to making that vision a reality? Totally. I think the biggest thing I've seen is, one, people don't know each other. They don't know each other exists. So one of the big things that we're looking to do probably in the next six months to start a bit of a, you know, arts after dark drinks where people can come and just connect. I think that's been, you know, the biggest thing that I can see that people just don't know who's here and the thing that I get excited by every time seems to be someone else, oh, my gosh, they live on the coast. Mm. You know, and, yes, some people it is their holiday destination, but at the same time it's the place where they do see themselves living more and more and how do we bring them into the fold and create collaborations. I, I think the thing that really excites me is when you – I don't know, you might put a, a poet with a dancer and create something different and new, that kind of collaboration where those people, if they don't know each other, don't even know they exist. But one of my roles I always think is how do you bring people together and create great work? Yeah. So to me, really the biggest challenge at the moment is I think drawing a lot of those professional artists out of their kind of little kind of um, – cocoon and not realising the opportunities are on the coast. There's been that thing of like, oh, I have to go to Sydney to get work. I'm a big believer it's about the role that we have to pay is supporting the industry, which is paying people and paying them as an industry. Otherwise, you know, we're not kind of perpetuating a professional opportunity. And then, you know, getting them to know each other and being collaborative and, you know, what crazy projects can come out of yeah. that. And, and then seeing that on the stage and then taking that further afield and knowing that it's coast-made is kind of something, or even if it's not coast made, it's a coast story that people are getting to hear about. And I think that yeah. is, you know, something that can get really, really exciting for the coast generally. And yeah. and also for the artists, you know, the fact they have to get in their car and drive, you know, down the road when, you know, if we can supply the same experience as a professional opportunity for them, you know, great. They'd love to be able to do it in their hood, not actually have to go to Sydney and, yeah. and you know, whether they perform or whatever it might be, what they're doing is actually seeing that locally. Yeah. yeah, totally. It always excites me, you know, and I've kind of run events and things here on the coast and have asked people in the room, you know, where have you come from? And when people say they're from Sydney or Newcastle, I kind of feel like, a yes, that is that is fantastic that we're worth travelling to uh, yeah. and not just for the beaches, like you said, but it's, it's worth coming here to see what kind of brilliant creativity is lurking, kind of uh, maybe not as amplified as it could be, but certainly is is um and i'm I sure think, here. i think they are here on the coast i think they just haven't connected locally because it's just not been the opportunity and yeah. opportunity is about paid work you know everyone mm. has bills and life that they need to support so how do we create that which is what we kind of you know talk about at the art house that's the art house side of 
what we've yeah. been looking to develop. And, you know, let's be that hub that where people can come to and know that, you know, there's other like kind of creatives that are there that they can connect with. And like I said, that's often – it's often after a glass of wine where the most crazy, awesome projects come out and, you know, and have great lives and that. And the other thing, you know, we've been really conscious to make sure that from the audience point of view that the coast gets the opportunity – Locally, you know, one of my personal passions is the creative artist, but I do think the audience is really important that they shouldn't have to be travelling into Sydney to see a show. Yeah. You know, we talk about regional access and I'm like, well, you know, the best should be able to be in their backyard and, um, you know, and see it on this stage locally. And that's been a big kind of focus that we've had and we've developed some great partnerships with the Opera House um, mm. to develop work, to, to bring work to the coast that's not going anywhere else um, and just, you know, making sure that the audience, you know, sees a diversity. I think it's really easy to make sure that there is things like comedy and music from tribute shows, but there needs to be kind of strong Indigenous work, strong multicultural work. Mm. There needs to be kind of that world music side of thing. There needs to be poetry. And, you know, they're real diverse because there is an audience for all of those things and people should get the opportunity to see it. It's not... You know, I make the joke about an Abu, Abu tribute night and I'll be the first one in the audience, but it shouldn't always be about a great comedian and an Abu tribute sure. night. There is so much other kind of great kind of theatre and arts out there, whether it's contemporary yeah. dance. And that's been yeah. my challenge to make sure that, you know, we do have a diversity, you know, from kids to families on the stage all yeah. the time. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this interview. We're going to get back into it in just a tick, but I wanted to take a moment to invite you to be a part of the process of creating this work. Podcasts are free to listen to, but they aren't free to create. I would love to keep interviewing interesting humans and writing poems about them, but I could use your help to make it happen. If you're digging the Poetic Beings podcast, I want to invite you to consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash willsmall. For as little as $1 a month, you'll receive exclusive unpublished poetry written by me sent straight to your inbox. At higher levels of giving, uh, rewards include things like contributing interview questions or having my next book posted to you with a handwritten note or even getting your own poem written by yours truly. I so appreciate your support. If you want to check out my other creative work, you can go to willsmall.com.au or I run a small creative business called Lead by Story, helping people to nail their message and make every word count. If that's of interest, you can head to leadbystory.com.au. Well, before there was an art house, there was an Anne-Marie. <laughs> and I'm hearing that um, you've, you've got this passion within you that would be there wherever you were, whether it was in Wollongong or in, in Sydney, Melbourne, wherever. So I just want you to think for a moment, kind of take the art house out of the equation. And what is it that gets Anne-Marie out of bed in the morning and kind of fires her up? Or what are the things that would keep you from sleeping at night? Kind of the, the big things that you feel like you're, you want to do in the world. Yeah, I, I'm one of those people that always want to change the world and make it better and that. So, you know, I think that's often my driver, you know, in that sense. And I think, you know, theatre and arts has been that thing that I can see from, you know, the role that it can play in people in changing their values um, and, and changing their perceptions of the world. So, you know, I, I guess a lot of what I've tried to do a lot is kind of spread that and make sure that people can see what I feel a lot. And, and I've had those incredible experiences where I've sat and watched a show and, you know, it has been 
been remarkably changing in how I viewed, you know, life generally, the world. One of the most fantastic things I ever did was I did the 24-hour Taylor Mac um, performance and he was just life-changing and you can't repeat those kind of experiences where it actually impacts every part of your own personal life Mm. where you realise, you know, I've got a dear friend that came and saw it with me and we often say when we're in that moment of I don't know what we should do, you know, what would Taylor Mac do at this moment? And to have something that takes such an impact and that, you know, I think we often go about our lives and get caught up with the day-to-day but realising, you know, those special moments that you can experience can how much they can have an effect in your own personal life and that. So, you know, I think, you know, I've always – I've never been the performer on stage. I do have times when I was as a young kid but, you know, it is that kind of how, I guess, you know, art and culture, whether it's visual arts, you know, has that impact. And it is definitely the thing that drives me and has all my life really in that side of it. I started my career out as a an accountant in finance and people often go, Oh my gosh and yeah, I said, Yeah, I didn't last long. It wasn't me. You know, I love people and I love hearing their stories and I I think that's what really, you know, realizing everyone has a story to tell. Yeah. Um Sometimes yeah. you don't realise what it is is going on in people's lives themselves till you mm. get to know them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I've had quite a blessed life when I really look at it. I don't feel that I've had a lot of heartache. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I've had a lot of opportunities. I've moved a lot, which, you know, I think has made who I am a lot and, and realised that I'm quite, you know, I love travel and I've travelled a lot overseas and, and in Australia. And I like those kind of experiences that kind of get out and, you know, seeing something for the first time or, you know, one of my favourite things is kind of going on a drive and travelling down a road that I've not been before. And I think it's that sense of unknown, sense Mm. of adventure, sense of kind of excitement that what might be there. Or sometimes it's even knowing that it's predictive what might be there, whether it's just, you know, that long open road and... I've, I've really noticed, you know, one of the things I often do when I'm travelling is like, oh, I want to go there because I haven't been there before. You know, it's not so much about the, the familiar. It's often the unfamiliar that gets me really yeah. excited to yeah. kind of do. And I, I think that's, you know, I often think that links back into kind of that culture arts world. It's, yeah. you know, what the unfamiliar and what could be and what could happen is what, you know, I get excited, you yeah. know. it sounds like you have a pioneering spirit. Yeah. You're kind of taking that step into the place that... You know, maybe some people might be a bit afraid to go down that road. But you're like, nah, let's just do it. It's yeah. going to be good. It's going to work out. Oh, there's moments where you kind of go, oh, what have I done? Or, and I've had <laughs> sure. some crazy travelling stories where I just think, oh, maybe I needed to be a little bit more organised <laughs> and booked a bit more or things like that. But, you know, they're often the stories that, you, you know, the most fun and interesting. And, totally. And when I've met some crazy people because I've happened to be in an airport for 24 hours because I didn't get my act together and book accommodation, <laughs> you know. But, you yeah. know, it is those mad moments where, you, yeah. you know, you've landed on a train or even just, you know, locally when you kind of gone and done something and ended up in a location and met people but yeah I think you know what I really love is kind of meeting people and hearing their stories yeah yeah beautiful and what I heard in that as well is that you kind of have this um this role of uh, connecting people Mm -hmm. with stories that are going to open their eyes expand their their worldview and I think that's what great art does right It, it opens us up to new things and you're like someone who's helping to get people in the room to have that kind of changing experience. I've always been that person that connects people. You know, I'm like, oh, you need to know such and such because they do something that, you yeah. know, you, you you should know about in that sense of it all. But it is opening your eyes. And, and, and I think listening, I think, you know, 
as much as some people would say, oh, Emery's a good talker, I think also being a really good listener and hearing, you know, mm. that the people, the stories behind people is what I find personally really, really, you know, exciting. I mean, we had um, NAIDOC ceremonies here yesterday and just hearing some amazing stories from some of the Indigenous community, you just realise, you know, we've got to, you know, it's one of the things that really drive me is really telling those stories more and more and educating, you know, children, you know, into that culture and understanding those stories more and more. And, you know, I'm just like, okay, you know, what can we do? We've got to do some more Indigenous work at the theatre and, you know, we've got to make sure there's some children's theatre that, you know. So I guess, you know, I probably have that luxury at times knowing that, you know, we can capture an audience and I can be part of that process of changing kind of values and opening people's minds and telling those stories through the theatre. That's beautiful. I'm sure you've experienced some frustrations along the way and I'm sure not everyone shares your vision with the same enthusiasm and there are probably moments where you kind of, you know, like, oh, this is, there's some uh, resistance here. Um, what have you learnt along the way as you've kind of been someone who's tried to forge those connections? Have there been difficult experiences or things that you've had to kind of overcome to keep going? Yeah, look, I think especially in the arts and that, it's always about money and always about supporting projects and that. But I... I and, and I get frustrated, you know, and I get a bit defeated at times because you're like, come on, we've got to find a way to do this, you know, and every time you turn a corner you get a blockage and that. And I, I guess what I've tried to do over the years is just, you know, be relentless, try another way, try a different way. And I, and I think it does come back to that travel, you know. They get to a dead end, you know, what do you do? You turn your car around, do a U-turn and try mm. another way in to get out. And I think that, you know, when I really think about it, that, you know, a lot of my frustrations is probably hitting like, a you know, a dead end or a blockage and that and then probably being, you know, a little bit defeated at that moment but then try to really kind of, um, you know, I don't know, try another direction. But, I, you know, I probably tried generally not to let things completely kind of beat me in that way and I'm probably a bit stubborn then too because I then like, okay, we've got to, you know, find another solution in that. I've probably realised a lot too when I have made kind of, you know, bad decisions as a manager in, you know, my career or in personal life. It's probably often because I haven't stopped and listened and reflected and when I actually have done that I've realised, okay, maybe I should have taken more note or you know, in that sense. So, you know, it is, I guess, those frustrating moments is tried to use them as more learning kind of times, not necessarily being completely, you know, shut up shop and over and out kind of thing, even though there is moments you go, you know, that's not fair or that's harsh and that kind of in that side of it. But, you know, generally, you know, I do think, you know, I've been fairly lucky when I really think about it, what I have done over the years and the opportunities and, and with it, whether it's been travel or moving around and that, I've, you know, I've been really lucky in that sense. But I think, yeah, not letting things beat you, yeah. coming up with a new way. Yeah. I, I'm in part of at the moment in the Australia Council Leadership Program, which where I think it's about 20 of us, there's five internationals and about 15 Australians have been selected to over about an 18-month period to kind of be intensively working on your leadership, which has been an incredible opportunity. Mm. We're about to go to Jakarta for t- about 10, 12 days as a group, which we're all really excited by and, and learn an, a lot more about the arts and culture and leadership in another community. But um, one of the big things I've learned from that program already is kind of in that sense of being, you know, reflective in how you behave in certain things and realising that, 
you can learn from it, not actually let it be the thing that shapes you. And I think sometimes yeah. we can be, you know, oh, whoa, and it's all too hard in our own personal lives or our careers and that and realise, no, you know, let's not be the thing that actually kind of beats us, actually let it to be something that allows us to grow and develop and, yeah. and learn from. But, you know, that's a lot of good self-talk that's come in there yeah, to kind of, great. kind of change that, not be... Yeah. Uh, shut up shop and out of here kind of yeah. thing i just did a uh, an 18 month kind of intensive leadership program called arrow actually uh. and as a part of that you know there was they sort of um talked us through all this research that has been done around people at the top of their game you know high level executives or ceos and kind of what's the common factor that they they all share and people that are really successful over the long term the, the key thing is not um determination or, or charisma or kind of you know things we would think of it's self-awareness mm. so kind of everything you just said in terms of that learning how to actually stop reflect see every opportunity as an opportunity to learn um, is huge so and I think being vulnerable too I think you yeah. know I've often felt that you know the biggest thing you can do when you're working in a management role or a leadership role of something is actually acknowledging when you're wrong absolutely and, and again that self-reflection but I think being vulnerable I think sometimes it's all about I'm right I'm right you know it's my way or the highway yeah and when you realize no I don't know it all and you know there's many a times yeah. I'm learning on the job I can tell you there's often things and I'm you know, you're kind of going, oh, I don't really know, but my best judgment yeah. tells me X should happen, not, you know, and, and owning it, I think, and kind of being committed to a decision mm. is often what you see. But, you know, the leadership program I'm on at the moment is an amazing opportunity because you're not only, um, you know, being supported through Australia Council from a leadership point of view, but you're meeting some incredible other leaders mm. and that's probably peer learning has been the thing that I've really enjoyed Brilliant. from it. Yeah, that's great. All right, I'm going to ask you a different line of questions now. These yeah. are the questions I don't send people. And uh, <laughs> this is kind of the surprise moment in the interview. So I'm getting a pretty good picture of, of, uh, of who you are and, and you're a incredibly passionate uh, um, and I, th I think individual with a, a beautiful vision, which I love. Um, but I'm going to write this poem about you, which is, you know, not like a typical bio. Um, it's going to be a bit creative. Yeah. It's going to be a bit, um, yeah, abstract. So I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. Yep. And I want you just to give me short answers. First thing that comes to your, into your brain without overthinking it. You ready? Yes. All right. Anne-Marie is a landscape. What kind of landscape is she? Oh, mountainous without a doubt. Up and down, all over the place, lots of kind of twists and turns. Yeah, awesome. All right. I, uh, I went and I, I turned a record on, my record player, and the record that was playing was the sound of Anne-Marie. What, what kind of music was it? What genre? Uh, I'm a massive jazz lover and fine music, so classical music is probably my favourite. So I can, you know, literally turn off if I've got a great orchestra or something playing in the background or something like Nora Jones or something like that. You've got me in heaven. Yeah. If you could go back right now to one place that you've travelled to before, in this moment, where would that be? Uh, I absolutely fell in love with Lisbon. I definitely would go back to Portugal amongst the Portuguese tarts and everything else, but it's just such a beautiful place. Yeah, awesome. Uh, if Anne-Marie was a time of day, what time of day would she be? Probably the evening. I think most of my world, you know, is at the theatre at night time, so probably the evening. I do try and get up early, but definitely probably evening. Yeah, awesome. Um, and uh, if Anne-Marie was an item of clothing, what item of clothing would she be? Oh, shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit of addicted to the shoes. So, yeah, definitely probably shoes. I love a nice scarf and two at the same time, but shoes would be it. Great. All right, last question. If Anne-Marie was a piece of furniture, 
what piece of furniture would she be? Oh, a chair. I think, you know, something, you know, beautifully architecturally designed that's also very comfortable. Um, yeah, a lovely chair, sitting by a fireplace or sitting on a balcony over the ocean would be my favourite. That sounds great. That sounds like the kind of place I should go and write this poem, actually. <laughs> sitting by a fireplace in the, the coastal winter, which isn't too bad. I've always got to remind myself I wake up and feel really cold. I'm like, you're from Canberra, man. Like, it's it's really not that bad here. I was down in Hobart two weekends ago for Dark Mofo, and I had to go to my storage unit to get winter clothes out because I knew I wasn't going to survive yeah. <laughs> in the cold. So I've, I'd forgotten how beautiful it actually is in winter on the coast. Yeah. You don't need those thick thick jackets at all. It's pretty good. Emery, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to going and, and writing something that captures a little snapshot of who you are. But thank you just for, for the work that you're doing. I'm really glad that you're the person uh, that kind of ended up in this role and uh, carrying this important vision and um, kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm championing, championing you in any way that I can and, and uh, hope that um, anyone listening who's, you know, part of the arts gets excited about what's possible. No, totally. I'm, look, I'm excited to make it happen. So thank you. Marie. She fell in love with the mountains. Nothing wrong with the beach. But she'd look out the window and see paradise and the changing leaves on the trees. Tourism brochures can tell it one way. But there is more to a place than the things it is known for. Life brims below the surface just waiting to grow forth. Like a house for art, becoming a home. There are no dead-end tracks, just open roads. From the pyramids to Portugal to this coastal track When she takes a step forward she needs not look back She is relentless, call her stubborn But your instincts can transform defeat if you trust them And when you combine precision of vision with the courage to actually stop and listen You can lead people to places they were made to fit in This is what art does It creates pathways that have not yet been travelled so it's probably no coincidence she's passionate about the arts and travel. She does not have to be on the stage to set it for others, curating the space that helps people flourish. See, Anne-Marie has always wanted to change the world. And she's known for a long time that the arts can be part of bringing to pass changes that start at the core in our hearts. Our reality shifts with our basic perception So a night at the theatre could change your direction When we see each other in ways we haven't before When we see places in ways that we haven't before And so the future's as open as this simple question Where haven't we been yet? Let's go there next then And so the future's as open as this simple question Where haven't we been yet? Let's go there next then.